Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Numbers chapter 14, and we're only going to read one verse, and that is verse number 11. Numbers chapter 14, and once again, we are here to serve you. Call us for prayer, 336-570-3664, and somebody will serve you. Numbers chapter 14, if you would, notice just verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be er or before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes from the subject. How long will we provoke God? How long will we provoke God? It is important that people have an understanding of the totality of a person. You know, when you meet people, they give you their best first impression. They wear their best clothes usually. They greet you with a firm handshake and a smile. They uh, nod while you're talking to them. They give you proper eye contact. All the things that we've been taught in social society to do to get to know somebody. But as you journey with a person, whether it's a friendship or a business relationship or a marriage or people at work or family, time reveals other things to you. If you spend enough time with people, you learn how they manage stress. You learn who um, can handle bad news and how they handle bad news. And some people take it in stride and seem unaffected, and some people fall apart, and some people do other things, but you learn that as you go. You learn how they handle rejection, how they handle bad news. Um, I would challenge any couple to date long enough so that you see how they handle a bad day. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. How do they respond when the phone rings and it's not good news? How do they respond when people don't treat them the right way? Do they take their anger out on you? Come on, somebody. They mad about somebody else, but they give it to you. You need to watch them to determine how they process that. And you need to know what will provoke them. You know, there are some people that are very easily provoked. Anything, drop of a hat, they get mad, they fly off the handle, they lose it. And then some people seem to have a much longer tolerance for certain behaviors. In fact, some people make you angry because they don't get mad at what you see done to them. Come on, somebody. 
Hallelujah. I, I, I've, I've talked to people who look at me and say, well, Bishop, you, don't, you, you, you just take too much. and You just let people say too much and do too much. And, you know, um, because I've tried and, and, and please understand that I wasn't built this way. I had to grow this way. Come on, somebody. I, I, I wasn't built this way. You're looking at somebody that had a very short fuse that could snap at almost anything and a lot of prayer. Come on, somebody. A lot of fasting, a lot of self-discipline brought me to this place because I came to a place where I just didn't want folk to steal my peace. Come on, somebody. I just didn't want people to rob me of my joy. I just didn't want their momentary foolishness to make me act foolish. And so I've just learned to tolerate some things and to try not to be easily provoked. But trust me, I can still be provoked. Come on, somebody. I had an episode this week and got upset with a, with a clerk in the store and he and I had words because I can still be provoked. Hallelujah. But you need to learn what provokes people. You need to learn what will push people to the edge because everybody has a trigger. I wish I was in an honest church. Everybody has a trigger. Something that is done or said that will push you to a place of anger. And everybody's trigger is different. So it's important to know what it is so you can respect the boundaries of the relationship. Because everybody's relationship has to have boundaries. There's no such thing as a boundless relationship that you can just do what you want to do, say what you want to say, act in any kind of manner, and people be okay with it. Everybody has to have boundaries. Oh, God, if your boundary is, praise our God, don't suck your teeth, then figure out, don't suck your teeth. Come on, somebody. If we're going to stay in the relationship. Oh, God, I tend sometimes to slide my feet. And so I was walking with my wife in the store, and I was just sliding my feet. I had some slides on, and she said, could you please? pick up your feet. Come on, somebody. And so, because she was driving and I wanted to go home, I started picking up my feet. Come on, somebody, because everybody has boundaries. You don't do things to aggravate people. You don't do things to make people angry unnecessarily. You don't push the envelope. If you know the boundaries, you stay inside the lines. Come on, somebody. Oh, God, some people deliberately, I've watched people in relationships deliberately sabotage their relationship because they they weren't willing to adjust to the boundaries of their partner. I, I remember talking to somebody, this was years ago, that, that, that their, their spouse loved getting stuff on the day. They loved getting gifts on Christmas Day or their birthday or Mother or Father's Day, whatever the case may be, and their spouse deliberately would buy the gift or present the gift on a different day. It might be the day before, it might be the day after, it might be a week later, and I said, why would you do that when you know your partner wants it on the day. That, that's unnecessary provocation because if you love somebody, you want to give them what they want, the way they want, and how they want. Not because you're, you're being controlled, but because you love them. So don't deliberately push people's triggers. God, have, have enough sense to not provoke people unnecessarily. And so I use this to bring us to a point, which is, do we understand God enough to know his triggers? Because God can be provoked. Okay, y'all sitting here looking at me funny. I believe that too many of us don't know enough about the Lord to understand his triggers. And partly because in this age of grace, 
We talk a lot about the grace of God, the mercy of God. We talk about his patience. We talk about his long suffering. We talk about his inexhaustible love. And all of this is true, but there is another side of God. Come on, somebody. Oh, you may not shout today. You may learn something today. There is another side of God, and the God that you serve can be provoked. Somebody help me preach it here. The God that is merciful, the God that is gracious, the God that is uh, uh, abundance of love, the God that is love, that God can be provoked. Hallelujah. I think people are missing this even in this season of the pandemic that even as merciful and as great as God is, God can be provoked. Oh, hallelujah. We can provoke God to the place that the pandemic will never end because God can be provoked. Or we can move God in his mercy to lift this because God can be moved by compassion. But I came to advise, to warn, whatever you want to call it, the house of God, the people of God, and those that are watching that the God that we serve as much as he loves us can be provoked. The God that we serve as merciful as he is can be provoked. And I came to warn everybody that will hear that there is even an end to the long suffering of God. Please do not make a mistake to think that God is your toy and God is playing with us because God can be pushed to the length and the end of his mercy. Yes, his mercy endure forever but God didn't put your name beside that scripture he didn't say it would live forever for you because God or for me because God can be provoked so the question that we have to answer in this short time is what provokes God what provokes God God is provoked by unashamed and unrepentant sin. Come on here, somebody. Folks, don't want to talk about sin no more. Lord, have mercy. People don't want to preach about sin anymore. People don't want to teach about sin anymore. But sin still provokes the judgment of God. If you don't believe me, ask the people that lived in the time of Noah. There were the children of Cain, and the children of Cain were decidedly wicked. They were prosperous and they were talented. You read Genesis chapter 4 and chapter 5. They were ama had amazing gifts, had amazing abilities, but they had a slant of unrighteousness that goes back to Cain's rebellion against God. And it came to a point that the Bible says in, 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 in Genesis chapter 6 that God was appalled by the wickedness of man to the point that it repented him that he had even created man. Now, what kind of sin is it when the person that created you wishes they hadn't done it? Come on, somebody. Oh, God, some of y'all, oh, okay, I'm not even going to go there. Oh, God, some of y'all had children that you almost wished to God you had not given birth to, that you had not created them because of the wickedness that was in them. That was the mind of God that man was so wicked that God said I wish I had not even created them so he decides to do what? Destroy the world with the flood. Only one spared Noah his wife and their children and their wives. Genesis chapter 18 God talks to his friend Abraham and says there's a particular city that is so wicked that I'm going to destroy this city of Sodom 
and Gomorrah. Hallelujah. And Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed by fire and brimstone. That, and, and destroyed so horribly that it falls into the sea. And the sea becomes the Dead Sea. And I've been there. Nothing can live even now in the Dead Sea. The tour guide was with us and said, y'all can splash in the water. The water has minerals that might be good for the body. But if you drink the water, tell us goodbye. Because you're going to die by drinking the water beside what was Sodom and Gomorrah. What, 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 what provokes God to the point that he wipes out an entire city? Hallelujah. And, and, and here we are on the edge of a hurricane coming towards the east coast and any city on the east coast could be destroyed by the winds and the flood of the hurricane and, 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 and I know people sit here and they think passively about man's destructive ability but if God's wrath comes against the people oh hallelujah one tornado can take out an entire town the right windstorm can destroy a city the right hurricane that's why I, I, I know we love God I know that we worship God, but I need us to develop some good old-fashioned fear of God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Don't take God as your toy that you can behave any kind of way. God still is going to be reverenced by the people that love him. I wish I had a word for America, which is to turn our hearts back to God, to reverence the God that created us. Oh, hallelujah. Sin provokes God. Idolatry provokes God. Hallelujah. The first commandment, the first commandment is thou shall have no other God besides me. I don't care what else happens in your life. Don't you worship anybody like you worship me. Don't give anybody the same level of attention that you give me. Don't give anybody the same level of reverence that you give me. Don't glorify anybody the same way that you glorify me. Oh God, it's recorded in the book of Acts that Herod, oh God, the king, God, God stood up in a ceremony and, and looked like he was dressed to be a king. And he sounded so eloquent that somebody said, this is the voice of God. And when they gave that reverence to Herod, the Lord struck him and worms ate him up from the inside out. Because God still will not tolerate us giving glory that belongs to him. I got a warning for these celebrities that want you to bow and want you to holler and want you to scream at the mention of their name. I've got a warning for politicians that love the roar of the crowd and want to be people to be excited because they say something. There's a God that said I am the Lord and that is my name and my glory will I not give to another. Saints I, I'm your pastor and I want your respect but I don't want anything that belongs to God. I don't want his glory. Oh God I'm not your daddy. The Lord is your father and he deserves the glory and the honor. Oh God respect me but worship him. Honor me but worship him. Oh God follow me but worship him oh hallelujah that provokes God God is angry with preachers and churches right now because preachers are trying to stand in the place of God 
I'm the instrument. The same way that that organ is the instrument. Brandon plays the organ. Hallelujah. Reggie plays the drums. And Nevin plays the bass. But nobody walks up after the service and says to the bass, you did a good job. Come on, somebody. Nobody looks at that Hammond and says, you did a good job. Nobody looks at the cymbals and says, you did a good job. We celebrate the musician on the instrument. Oh, hallelujah. Saints, I'm the instrument. Oh, God, so you don't need to celebrate me. You celebrate the God that is working in the instrument. Prophet, apostle, bishop, pastor, you're nothing but the instrument. Stop letting people celebrate you and teach them how to celebrate God. Teach them how to honor God. Teach them how to glorify God. Because all of the glory belongs to God. We're in his house. We're breathing his air. We're filled with his spirit. Somebody lift your hands and just glorify God. Oh, Hallelujah. The last thing, sit down for a second, that provokes God is unbelief. Unbelief. And unbelief provokes God because it, it represents a direct challenge to the sovereignty and the personal integrity of God. Now, everybody imagine what it's like to make a promise and have someone not believe you. It bothers you. Come on, somebody. When you give your word to somebody and you say, I'm going to be to pick you up at 5 o'clock. And they look at you and say, no, you ain't coming. And, and, and you look at them, yeah, I'm coming. I told you I'm coming at 5 o'clock. And they look at you again and say, no, you ain't coming at 5 o'clock. After a while, it's going to make you angry because that person is now saying to you, you're a liar. Come on, somebody. And I can't trust what you say. And when you look at God, who has never said something he did not do, who has never given his word and not lived up to his word, and when you look at God and say, I refuse to believe you. Hallelujah. I know I, I don't, I'm trying to be redundant, but I need us to get this. There's a difference between the doubter and the unbeliever. The doubter is like all of us, that you look at circumstances and you allow the circumstances to sometimes sway your thoughts about God. We've all been there. Anybody want to be honest? But the unbeliever is the person that hears from God and says to God, you're not going to do it because you're a liar. Oh God, I don't care what you've said and what you've promised. And God's word says by two immutable things, his counsel and his word, it is impossible for God to lie. When God establishes his counsel, he says my counsel is going to stand. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care what other people have pronosticated if I give my word because everything in the universe hangs on my word. What holds the heavens up? What keeps the stars in their socket? What keeps the moon in its orbit? What keeps us orbiting around the sun? There are no strings. There are no wires. What 
holds all of this up. It's the word of the living God. That's why Jesus said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And so by this immutable, oh God, purpose, it is impossible for God to lie. For God to lie, he would have to pass in his resignation and say, I'm through being God. For God to lie, he would have to step down from his throne of glory. For God to lie, he would have to give up the heaven and the earth because it's impossible. I tell you, it's impossible. If God said it, you can rest your life on it. If God said it, you can rest your integrity on it. If God said it, he is faithful and he is able to perform it. Somebody shout hallelujah because God cannot cannot lie cannot lie and so when we refuse to believe we challenge the integrity of God and that was the dilemma that Israel put themselves in here in the book of Numbers and Israel is promised by God that I will give you this promised land and the spies 10 of them get so taken with the cities and with the people and with the giants that they say there's no way possible we can have the land and so they take the word of a spy over the word of God and I need to remind the church that God's word has to be the final answer. I know we live in a physical world, and I know the world is run by physical people, and I know there are laws and there are rules and there are personalities that we deal with daily, but none of that supersedes the word of God. Hallelujah. And I need you to get this, that if God says it, it's going to happen just the way God said and I really don't care what the bank said or what the lawyer said. Oh, oh God, don't you know that God speaks to people? Oh, God, there are people right now that are going to bless you that don't want to bless you. Oh, God, there are people right now that are going to do things for you that don't want to do something for you. In fact, they don't even know why they're doing it. They're doing it because God told them to do it. And they'll even say to you, I shouldn't do this. Oh, God, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, God, and you just sit there and just quicken. Come on, somebody. Because you know that wasn't man. That was God. I need somebody in here that has seen the devil change his mind. Oh, God, and it wasn't the devil that did it. It was the God that you serve. Because he controls the hearts of men. He controls the minds of men. And nothing can stop the voice of God when it speaks and when it others. But Israel refused uh, to believe the voice of God uh, and they challenged God's integrity uh, and said we can't go up uh, and possess the land uh, in fact we're nothing but grasshoppers uh, in the face of the people uh, of the promised land uh, but I hear Joshua uh, and Caleb say uh, if the Lord delight in us uh, he will give us the land uh, let us go up at once uh, and possess it uh, for we are well able to possess the land. I'm talking to somebody that's facing a challenge.
challenge. The Lord wants you to know that he's already given you what you need to do it. Stop looking at yourself and look at your great God and say in your spirit, if God said it, I believe it and that settles it come on put your hands together shout hallelujah Israel rebels against God says we're going to get a captain and go back to Egypt in other words we're going to get another God Jehovah can't take us all the way so we'd rather go back than hang out with Jehovah and somebody has been challenged to turn your back on God. Let me help somebody. What you're going through is deeper than your job. It's deeper than your money. It's deeper than your health. That's the enemy trying to get you to make a different decision. But when you know that the Lord's been good to you, when you know that the Lord's made a way, when you know that God has never failed you, Oh, you got to drop your anchor and say, I'd rather have Jesus. Yes, this is a difficult season, but I'd still rather have Jesus. Yes, there are a lot of unknown factors plaguing the world, but I'd still rather have Jesus. He kept me. He's keeping me. He blessed me. He's blessing me. He saved me. He's saving me. He made a way. He's making a way. He opened a door. He's opening a door. God is working on my behalf. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Oh my God. The Lord got provoked and he got angry and he asked two questions. How long will these people provoke me? I'm, they were slaves. I broke their chains. I broke down the mightiest nation on the planet, Egypt. At that time, there was no country stronger than Egypt. I broke Pharaoh's back. I broke Pharaoh's neck. I destroyed the chariots in the Red Sea. They got hungry, and I fed them. They got thirsty. I gave them water. Everything they needed, I provided. And they still sitting here talking about I'm not real. And while you shake your head in disgust, think about everything the Lord did for you. Paid your bills, made a way, kept your mind, kept your sanity, saved your children, blessed your family. And now you're going to sit up and think there's somebody else. The devil is a liar. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. I know that he's real. Shout hallelujah. How long 
will the church come to church and refuse to worship? How long will the church watch from home and criticize God? How long will the church sit in complacency? Where are the people that know God is real? Where are the people that know God is able? How long? How long will you provoke? How long before you believe? Put your hands together. Shout hallelujah. My time is up. I got to close. But I got three statements and then I'm done. The Lord is tired of the sin in the world. And he's tired of the sin in the church. He's tired of lying sinners and lying saints. He's tired of creeping sinners and creeping saints. He's tired of folk giving lip service to their faith without action. God is tired. He's tired of the idolatry that is in the world and in the church. He's tired. That's why he shut down the concerts, shut down the tournaments, shut down the football games, shut down the conferences, shut down the conventions because he's tired of the church and the world celebrating people huh, more than him. Huh. If I put you huh, in a room by yourself, huh, you'll bless me. Huh. If I put you huh, on lockdown, huh, you'll glorify me. Huh. If I put you huh, in your own house, huh, you'll give me the glory because huh, God huh, wants the glory. Huh. Y'all didn't hear me. Huh. God huh, wants the glory. Huh. God huh, wants the glory. Shout hallelujah. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215 or email us info at refugetemplenc.com that's info at refugetemplenc.com god bless you and until next time shalom shalom